0: Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible based, Christ centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message Is there any difference between an animal and a human being? I came across an article in Psychology Today written by Dr. Hal Herzog. And he references a dilemma. There's a burning building, and there's both a child and a dog in the building. Who do you rescue? Dr. Herzog says, for me, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to grab the kid and head for the nearest exit, even if it's my dog and the kid was a brat. <laughs> but the animal activist, Joan Denair, I believe I pronounced her name correctly, he says, would charge me with being a Speciest, somebody who values one species over another. And for reflexively just saving the child, in her book *Speciesism*, she proposes a different approach to solving tough moral issues involving animals. She says when faced with the rescuing a child or a dog by death in a fire, you should take out a coin and flip it. <laughs> After all... The dog and the child have the same moral value. Really? That's what she says. Is anyone buying her book? <laughs> a lot. Believe it or not, a lot. Right? Is there any difference? Does, is human life special? Is what we're getting at. Do we have an identity different than animals? Do we have an identity different than animals? And is it more than just a flip of the coin? So today, as you know, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And normally I like to throw in jokes and things like that. Today's going to be a little bit more serious. You know, we've heard a lot of statistics about abortions, right? And after a while, we can be kind of numb regarding that. So, I know the numbers are very small on there. This is a website, and it is an abortion counter. On the very far left-hand side, it is uh, in the United States today, there have been 1,076 abortions. In the United States this year, 49,699. In the world since 1980, 1,000,000,000. 522,128, uh, no, yeah, 324, 26. You can also see the numbers move a little bit. That's a real-time counter. Now, since I started this, since I started, went to this website this morning, about 8.15 this morning, there's been 8,314, 15, 17 abortions, and it keeps ticking So I'd like you to get the gravity of what's going on. So as of today, 46,177, and I have to keep counting. But remember that number. We're going to come back to this at the end of the message. You see, when our identity is apart from God, Holocaust happens. When people lose their identity apart from God, death, Holocaust, happened. It happens with abortion, but today is the sanctity of life, and we are talking more than just abortion. We are talking life from the very beginning to the very end. That life is precious in His sight. And it encompasses those who are elderly, who are dealing with chronic issues as well. So you and I, as followers of Christ, have to take a stand for the fullness of God's word, the fullness of preciousness of life. We have to regain our identity, and we are going to do that by taking a look at the uniqueness of man, the fallenness of man, and the redemption of man. We're going to begin, actually, with Genesis Now, a lot of people want to start with Genesis and starting at verse 26, but I'm going to back it up a little bit. We started at verse 20. So let's talk about uniqueness here. I'm starting with verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth, above the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed according to their kinds and every winged bird according to their kinds and God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying be fruitful multiply fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the field according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So when you take a look at creation, each and every separate day, there is a distinct act of creation. At each and every day of creation, there are distinct acts of creation. Every living thing is made according to its own kind. So in your text that you have, you don't have it highlighted, I'm just going to show you our text from today, that word kind or "kinds" really pops out. And when something is emphasize so much in scripture it's repeated you should pay attention to that and you have to think what's the point that there are distinct acts of creation distinct kinds of creation distinct kinds of animals but then we get to the section verse 26 and that pattern's broken it's very different then god said let us make man in our image after our likeness all beforehand it says and God said and God said and God said now it says then so there's a delineation a mark between everything else that has come before and now God makes man but not according to its own kind do you understand that God says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. In essence, God made man in our image into God's kind, if you will. Man is not simply another type of animal. Man is distinct from all of creation. God, the Creator, who by His very word said, let there be and there was, has the final act of creation designed after him. After his image, and after his likeness, after his eternal nature. Nothing else in all of creation is said to be made after his image. No other plant, no other animal, no river, nothing else is declared to be in his image. Whereas the animal activist would say it's just a flip of the coin, God says, no, we are distinct. But what does it mean to be made in God's image? That's a tough one. Because the text doesn't just give you another sentence that says what that means. So we must take scripture and tease out from scripture what it means to be made into the image of man, image of God. So first of all, the image of God, the image of God is more than a body. Scripture says God's spirit is spirit, right? God is spirit. doesn't have a body. We, however, have a body. It seems to be a necessity for us. It would be very hard to have, not have a body and for us to interact here on earth, right? So think of this. Think of the body as a vehicle for the image of God. We are a vehicle for the image of God. God made manifest in our body. Where does scripture say something like that? For us in Christ it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? There's a whole other sense of being in the image of God. We also know that the image of God is not simply man, male, or female. We know that God made them both male and female in his image. And so thus, man, as a male, is not better than female, nor female better than man. They are both. We are both made in God's image. So if the image of God is not found in the body, where can we find it? Well, you find it in characteristics of God. (coughs) Traditionally, Martin Luther and the Reformers have said that the image of God is found in the intellect, the rationality, the moral, and spiritual. So, Scripture says, God says to man, let us reason together. In Romans, it says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. So there is a rationality that goes along, that is at least a reflection of the image of God. And also, we gather together to praise him. We have a different sense of morality than animals do. We also ponder things much greater, and we know that our creator is there. So this seems to be a reflection of the image of God made in his image is the intellect rationality the moral the spiritual we also have our role remember um, god said that they are to have dominion over the earth right but that's not a tyrannical sort of dominion as in subduing but it is to actually be a steward of the earth God gave the role of stewardship. God created everything. God is the steward of all, obviously. But he gave us the earth to be stewards of the earth. He also said, okay, you've got a garden. I made a garden for you. Did you notice I made a garden? I want you to cultivate that garden. I also, I named the heavens, the earth, the waters. I want you now to name the animals. This is the role that was given. We also find the image of God is in this. It's in the relationship. Remember, God said to Adam for Adam, "It is not good for man to be alone." <coughs> and he was designed for a relationship. We also find the relationship comes not just from us, but from God, because what did it say? The language is very different. It said, "Let us make man in our image." There's a plural that's going on there. Now you either have to say well that's God talking in the royal we, right? We are not amused, that sort of thing. Or God is actually talking not to himself but we would see scripture, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is a God of relationship. And it is a perfect relationship of love. And you and I were made for perfect relationship with love. That is what it means to be made in the image of God. So if you want to put this together, man was made for righteousness, God's righteousness, for knowledge of God, the ability to reason, the ability to love, the ability to be in relationships. The image of God. Is that just a toinkos? A twenty. Cost? I said it wrong. I can't even say it. Mm-hmm. A toss of the coin? Okay. Wow. Okay, there is humor today. And because I can't speak. But it's not, is it? So this is our, to be our identity from the very beginning. Who we are from the very beginning. The trouble is, if you stop right there, if you don't understand the fullness of our identity, then you're going to say something like this. I'm made in the image of God, therefore I'm perfect, and I can do whatever I want. That too leads into error, because you have to understand the next part, which is the fallenness of mankind. So last summer we spent some time in the Garden of Eden, right? Four weeks in the Garden of Eden. And we took a look at the fall, and there was a phrase that I used, I borrowed it from someone else. But I said, if you get wrong the fall, you get it wrong all. If you don't understand that we are fallen from sin, and in sin, you don't understand the rest of our identity. Though Adam and Eve were created with perfect bodies, right? No surgery was needed. Everybody's going, yay, amen, right? At that time, perfect bodies, full relationship to God, they sinned. They rebelled against God. And because they sinned, the image of God was corrupted. Think of the image of God like we have a mirror. And when that mirror is focused on God, there's that perfect relationship. But anytime we focus it away from God, the image gets distorted or darkened or it's non-existent. Just about. Do you understand that? So, when we take a look at the fall... Through sin, the image of God has become so corrupted that we have become depraved. And there's a word that we want to use and should use, depravity. In our reading from Ephesians, it says of the Gentiles, those, so those without Christ, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them <laughs> due to the hardness of heart they have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now if you read the beginning of Romans, chapter 1, Paul goes even to a longer list of that. And then he says at the very end of the chapter, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do that, but to give approval to those who practice them. This is the condition of fallen humanity. A world that denies the image of God, denies His Word, denies the understanding of our fallenness. This worldview leads to self-idolatry, this worldview leads to self-idolatry, and ultimately, to a glorification of death. I mean, tease that out a little bit how that plays out people will say because i'm made in the image of God god not only tolerates but approves of exactly who i am and what actions i take no matter what or you can have even another one says i reject anything called God therefore i can do whatever i want either one of these statements leads to selfish narcissism And if you can't see that happening in our culture today in America, we talk about how divisive we are, it is because it becomes self idolatry. It has led to the destruction of marriages, of sexuality, of gender, so forth. It becomes rather than God has given me life, it is my life that I choose to do with whatever I want. In this great error, you have religious leaders giving a so-called blessing to Planned Parenthood. Rabbi Michael Namath of the Religious Action Center of Reformed Judaism led the faith leaders in prayer, invoking their obligation to make the world whole and holy. May the ones who bless our ancestors bring healing on all in need. Na- Namath, Namath said after reciting that text in Hebrew, God, let your spirit rest upon these caregivers who serve as instruments of your hands. So I was wondering if the rabbi actually knew the Torah, the Old Testament. It says in Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. I was wondering if the rabbi knew Psalm 139, for you before you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Or if you knew Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. You see, somehow to counteract the idea that abortion actually kills a human being in the womb, we have to suppress that truth, we have to deny that truth, we have to put different words to it. See, a lot of people will... Science now says, clearly, it's a human life. It can't be anything but a human life. But now, even the pro-abortion people will say, well, okay, but it's not a person. So where did this idea of person come from? I can tell you, it didn't come from God's word. It didn't come from God's word. If you read God's word, human life from the very beginning. For you formed my inward parts; You knitted me together in my mother's womb. See, a world that denies our fallenness, denies God's sovereignty, leads ultimately to a glorification of death. that uh, also rejects suffering because they don't understand that suffering is part of fallenness often takes something called materialism and pragmatism. I'm not going to get into the whole philosophy of that, but I'm going to tell you how those things play out. Let's say you have chronic pain and you are near the end of your life. Shouldn't you just end your life? Right? And as you get closer to death, why not end your life there? And there's a lot of legislation now and throughout the world. Look, if you've got six months to live, why spend that last six months with suffering at all? Why not end your life now? But if you take a look at the logic of that, it is arbitrary. Why did somebody pick six months? Like six months is a magic number. Why didn't they pick six years? Why didn't they pick 60 years? Look, if you are born and you're living, you suffer, right? Anybody in here who hasn't suffered something at some point? I've never known a human being yet, from the very beginning to the very end, who hasn't endured some kind of suffering. That also includes the mental and spiritual anguish. But suffering is bad in a world of uh, pragmatism. I'm not saying we encourage suffering, but in a pragmatic, materialistic point of view, any suffering is bad. Therefore, there is euthanasia. Okay? In uh, Belgium, from 2003 to 2015, you can see the chart. I don't have to read the numbers. Look at euthanasia, which is killing somebody for, before their end of their life. Look how that has come up. And by the way, you do not want to be an elderly, sick person in Europe nowadays. Because sometimes doctors will make the choice for you. They call this, do you get how bad this is going to sound? Involuntary euthanasia. We would call that murder. Okay, but let's take another one. What if your baby is normal? Right? What if your baby has Down syndrome? Do you know that 90% of all Down syndrome babies are aborted? 90%. As a matter of fact, doctors will encourage you if you have a baby in the womb that has Down syndrome, and by the way, they're not always right, sometimes they're wrong. You should just terminate, remember, here's the language, terminate the child because it's better for them, and you don't have to bear any burden. They even banned commercials, a commercial in France that just said, that showed this wonderful commercial of people with Down syndrome saying, I love my life. And they banned it because they thought it would make women and men uh, feel uncomfortable about aborting children who have Down syndrome. A world that rejects and denies the image of God, and then our understanding of... Uh, boy, I just want to cry at that, don't you? I just want to cry at this. A world that rejects God, and denies the image of God, and our understanding of fallenness and suffering, gives us a worldview of materialism and pragmatism, which tries to avoid any and all type of suffering. It wants to put it away, but you know, the trouble is, the shame and the guilt are still there. You can deny all you want, but the shame and guilt is still there. There's an organization called Silent No More. It gives women the opportunity to talk and speak out about the effects of abortion. And here's just part of one woman's story. She writes, I was single, age 25. At the time of my abortion, I felt overwhelmed, confused, alone, sad, and afraid. I just found out the day before I was pregnant. I was pressured on the phone to come the next day. The abortion clinic said I could put the past behind me. Abortion felt like a way out, like relief, so I thought. I thought I could just return to life as normal, hiding the secret as if nothing ever happened, or so I thought. They said it was just a blob of tissue, when in reality it was a person with a heartbeat, its own unique DNA, and the ability to feel pain. No one warned me about the psychological scars, the emotional pain, guilt, and shame, and regret down the road or the medical risks. No one explained the procedure or seemed to care about my emotional state. Abortion became the silent killer inside me, with deep wounds and scars hidden in secret denial. Who would listen or care, for that matter? Food became my coping mechanism, then eating disorders. I convinced myself that I was okay, but I wasn't. Another woman recalled it like having PTSD. Others talk about drugs, or alcohol, or one relationship after another trying to numb the pain. You see, even if you try to suppress the truth, you know you're suppressing the truth. And at its fundamental level, it's wrong. You can rail at it, you can mock at it, but in the end, all that's left is really death and despair. So the question we have, is there any hope? Is there any hope? And indeed, there is. For ultimately, this is a message of hope. It is a message of redemption. The reason we played the song, Who Am I Beforehand? Because it really gets to the core of who am I before the Lord? And how much He loves us, that He would redeem us. You see, the people who are lost and broken need an identity. They need a new life in Christ. They try to find it in other ways, in relationship after relationship, in drugs, in alcohol, in everything else. And the relationship, those things don't satisfy them. Because remember, who were they made to be in relationship with? God. They are made to be in relationship with God because everyone is precious in His sight from the very beginning to the very end, and no matter what happens in between. Matthew, chapter 6. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? See, Jesus saying, look, even though you're anxious, even though you're worrying, God, your Father, loves you. He loves you so much because you are made in His image. And the message for all is this. You are not beyond the love of God. You are not beyond His redeeming grace. It is God the Father who out of His great love for us sent us what was most precious to Him, His only Son. That you, each of you, May be redeemed, that you may be restored. At the very end of worship, we are going to sing a song. How deep the Father's love for us! It's this beautiful song, and it begins this way: "How deep the Father's love for us! How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure." In Jesus, in Jesus alone, you are forgiven. even for those women and men who have had an abortion. There's grace and forgiveness, and that's why we we talk about this. That's why we preach on this. That's why we take time. Because there are people who are in despair over death, and they need to hear a message of hope, redemption, and most of all, forgiveness. In Isaiah it says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like blood. His perfect sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, covers all the others. So the question for you today in that message of grace and redemption <laughs> is this as a follower of Jesus. Will you take his stand for the preciousness of life? I'm not asking you to take my stand. If I've done scripture correctly and I've interpreted scripture correctly, it should be his stand that you heard. So will you take his stand? And will you speak his truth in love? That's what there is. Because the clock is ticking. pray Lord Jesus the world needs you so much and so powerfully help us to stand in your truth and your word sharing the preciousness of life sharing redemption and grace give us that boldness and courage in Jesus name We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.